Welcome to AB3 Speaks with Monica Antakia, the podcast on academic business and branding, where we talk about planning, building, running, and growing a business as Black academic women who want to share their knowledge with the world. I'm Takia Nur Amin, academic success strategist, dance scholar, and lover of all things luxury. I'm Monica A. Coleman, professor, religious leader, and mom to an active growing kid. We have over 25 years combined experience of sharing our academic knowledge beyond the classroom, and we're telling you all the things we wish someone had told us. We will share our values-led ways of monetizing your advanced education in today's global marketplace and highlight Black academic women who are doing this with excellence and flair. So stay hydrated, make sure you have something to write on and write with, because class is in session. On the syllabus today is Teresa S. Thames, T-H-A-M-E-S, like the fancy river. We know how busy your schedule is, and we are absolutely thrilled to have you as a guest. We wanted to have you on the show since the very beginning. And, you know, I was really racking my brain about it this morning, trying to remember how we met. And I really don't remember. You're one of those people who's been in my life so long. I feel so blessed for that, that I can't remember not knowing you, but I'm glad you're here. Oh, I'm glad to be here. The only thing would be better is if we were all together in like a living room somewhere Hanging out. That's the only thing that would be better than this. Thank you for having me. When we get fancy and clear our schedules, we'll do that. It's more the (laughs) schedules than the fancy part. We're already fancy. It's the schedule. (laughs) Well, you know how we met, uh, Mike. You are friends with my cousin, Sarian, who brought you with her to when I was signing books of Bipolar Faith and had a reading event at the Busboys and Poets. Thanks. Oh my gosh, right. Thank you. Busboys and Poets in DC. So that was 2016. And you were just sharing with me a picture of me in my little branded t-shirt, <laughs> Faith That Liberates, with longer hair uh, from 2016. I first met you and then you just kept popping up everywhere. I'm like, wait, I met her. I know her now. And I got your cards. So I probably still have, I don't throw cards away. So I probably oh. still have your cards somewhere. It was such um, when Sarian was my neighbor and she was just a lifesaver. And when she said you were cousins, I was like, the bipolar faith woman is your cousin. And by the time your book came out, I'd already moved to New Jersey and I drove all the way down just to come to the book event. So, oh, that was so nice. I didn't know that part. Yeah. And now we're just cousins. All of us, all three of us, we're just cousins. This is wonderful. Okay, so one of the things we like to do with all our guests is to ask, can you talk to us about your academic training and specialty, just so that our listeners have a sense of your personal academic trajectory and the disciplines in which you have expertise? Oh, that's such a great question. And it also makes me laugh because I didn't really have a trajectory. I went to Howard on a biochemistry scholarship. And uh, I loved science, I loved calculus, math. And uh, even though you might be good at something, doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to do. And that was solidified for me when 9-11 happened, that at 14 years old, I had a clear calling that I was gonna be a pastor. I had no role models for it. Um, But when 9-11 happened and I'm at Howard and the world is literally on fire, um, we saw smoke billowing from the Pentagon. Um, I went to a grad school fair and the divinity school was there. And I'd never heard of a divinity school, never heard of seminary before. I'm from Mississippi. People get called by the Lord and they just go do it. So I didn't know that there was formal training of doing it. 
And I went to seminary and I thought I went to Duke and I thought it was going to be Bible study. And it wasn't. It was deep theological education that I loved. I say that going to seminary was turning on the lights on a story that I already knew, but it was seeing the characters and the background and the stage in a way that I never saw it before. And so I graduated from Howard, went to Duke straight out of um, undergrad, and then um, took probably a year or two before I ended up at Wesley Seminary. And so my background um, when I was at Duke was Old Testament Hebrew and gender studies and I went to um, when I went to Wesley. I did my writing on how to help young clergy women of color thrive in ministry. And now I have a life that is the intersection of being a pastor, and at the intersections of being in the academy, but not of the academy, and being able to be a coach. Well, this is exactly why we wanted to talk with you. Um, You can share your actual title or not in terms of your academic position. So we know what are you doing now with this education that you got? But we really also want to know about your business because you are also a business owner. Yeah, I am um, an associate dean of a chapel at an Ivy League university. And it's so funny, a couple of weeks ago, I was in an interview and someone said to me, you must really hate your job. And I was like, what? She's like, you don't ever talk about it at all. It's not on your website. It's not anywhere. And it's actually the complete opposite. Um, I love my job. I love the work that I do. And I also love the work that I do in my coaching. And so my coaching um, comes out of, I say it's a deeper and a more vibrant articulation of the gifts that I have in the world. And the job that I do, the nine to five job is not all of me. It's a part of me. And I love the institution that I work at. You know, it's an institution for all the things that institutions are. Um, but I'm really thriving in that work. And I and I know that I'm thriving in that work because I have my own thing. And it's my business, Soul Joy Coaching. And you have this powerful tagline, because every time I see your face, I want to say, you can live a life that brings you soul <laughs> joy. It is possible to live a life that brings your soul joy. And it actually, my business came out of the pandemic. And what happened was that I'd been in this role for about six years by then. I had served as a local pastor for nine years before coming um, to an institution, to a higher education. And when I came into this role, I I really did have to find my way. I had to find my people. I had to find community. like most college towns, it's very white. Um, Wyatt with the long eye. It's it's not a place where I saw many women, people like me. Um, just my identity, my body, just all the ways that I showed up in this space. And I had to find ways to really make it work for my life. And I did. And I really have created a community here. But when 9-11, 9/11 when um, COVID happened, Black women were contacting me about how they had been elevated in their um, organizations or their institutions, and they were finding themselves burnt out. And what I knew was that it's possible for us to be able to live the lives that we want without burning out, without risking everything to save institutions that if something were to happen to us, they would hire somebody the next week. And so I put together a curriculum that really is based off of my um, doctoral research around how, what are the areas of thriving? And I had one client and that snowballed into 10 clients. And now two years later, um, it's a full, it's a full business. I have a team and I really do love it. 
You know, I appreciate so much of what you've said because like many of our listeners, a lot of us still have day jobs, are still Mm -hmm. active in the academy. Um, We've earned our credentials. We like our institutions or at least enough to stay there. Um, We appreciate the colleagues we have. We enjoy the work we do. But, you know, the way I like to think of it is that sometimes our day jobs just aren't big enough to Uh hold our full calling and to support all that we want to do and be in the world. Um, And it can be challenging, you know, when you're thinking about pursuing your entrepreneurial endeavors to be in spaces that are even hostile to higher ed or Mm. to be in spaces that are sort of anti-intellectual and want you to kind of give up your academic job or your academic training to be seen as a legitimate kind of entrepreneur. So Uh I appreciate you talking about your experience and having kind of yourself in both places while acknowledging it's just because your day job is wonderful as it is, isn't big enough to hold Uh your full calling and to to wrap around the full vision that that is your life. That right there is the gospel according to Black women, that there there aren't containers that can hold us. And I say, I do not do all of my shopping at Trader Joe's. I do not do all of my shopping at Whole Foods. I get a little bit of here. I go to Costco for some things. And that's the same way I sort of feel about my life and that if I needed my job to fulfill all the parts of me or hold all the parts of me, I will constantly be disappointed. And so when I had the opportunity, and I didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs, I did my, the script that I was given was have a good government job with benefits and stay there until you retire. And so having this institution is very solid for me and in ways that it's like gives me stability. But what I say is that it anchors me that allows me in a way to have stability and to float and be creative and to really be risky in my business. And you will never hear me call my business my side hustle. You will never hear me call it my little project or my little thing. As much I put more creativity and enthusiasm and passion into this thing. That's my business because it is mine. It is mine. And so um, I don't feel like I'm bifurcated in a different, in a different way. This is just a deeper articulation of who I am in the world. Along those lines, let's stick with that. Can you talk to us a little bit about the values that really drive your business? Um, One of the things that I think sets the work that Monica and I do together apart is that when we're talking to women of color in general, Black women in particular, who are right at this intersection of the academy and entrepreneurship, we don't start with product first Mm. or, or business offerings first. We're going to get there, right? But we really talk to folks about what are the values that ground and orient your business and the work that you've decided to build out to, you know, sustain your entrepreneurial dreams. Talk to us about those values. Mm. Even you asking me that question makes me teary-eyed because I created the thing that I needed. I created the thing that I wanted, that I wanted to be able to show up. And as a Black, plus-size, queer woman from Mississippi, I wanted to be able to just be in ministry and feel full and to bring that into the world. And I wanted to gift that to other women, especially Black women, because 
what's a grounding value for me is that we are always told that these are the limits of what you can do. These are the limits of what you can say. This is the voice that you have to use. And I wanted to be able to tell us like, we can have it all. We really can. And these are the ways that we can have it all. And it's possible to have it all. And when I say it's possible to live a life that brings your soul joy, I'm not talking about bubblegum and rainbows. I really am talking about creating a life where you can be expansive and big and truly have it all. And so what underlines that is not grinding yourself out for other not using your brilliance for other organizations, not using your energy first for everything else outside of you. And so the grounding part for me is, I wish I would have had this when I was in my 20s. I wish my mama, my grandma, my aunties and them would have had it. And I wish, and I want so many other Black women who are in the academy to know that these institutions do not make us. We are doing them a favor for, by being in these institutions. And we can utilize these institutions as springboards into what we want to do. Well, what you are saying really wants, makes me want to go back to something you said earlier about you, you, what you studied at Howard and where you are now. One of the things we talk about a lot with the women we work with um, is that one of our challenges is that we are multi-talented people. There are a lot of things we're interested in, a lot of things we do well, in part because to do the academic jobs, you have to do multiple kinds of things well. And so sometimes the hardest thing to do is choose which of these things that I like, which of the things that I'm interested in, which of the things that I'm good at, am I going to do? And I know that you are really good at niching down. So I would love for you to share a little bit about how you decided amongst your biochemistry interest, your pastoral interest, all the administrative things that you can do in your sleep. You know, you could be a Peloton coach. I have seen your social media. So how did you decide what it is you are actually going to do, given all the things that you can do? Yeah. Um, niching down is the most important thing. We can't, we will not serve everyone all the time. And sometimes because we have the blessing and the burden of having so many gifts, it's like, what is the thing that lights me up? What is the thing that I'm most passionate about? And what I know from, from my own experience is that I tried to be broad and be inclusive in ways, but it was the thing that I needed. And people People trust your expertise, people trust your degrees, but the thing that people trust more than anything is your lived experience. And when I got really clear about, oh, this was my lived experience, that's what that's what clients got a hold on. That's what clients got a hook on. And I don't have to pretend because it's my real life. Like if you meet me online, if you meet me in Target, if you meet me at the gym, like this is who I am. And it's not a branding, it's not a marketing. This is who I am. And so the more intentional that you that you think about what your passion is, like what is the true calling? And I will say, um, I knew nothing about running a business and I didn't do the business well. So I had to hire a coach to help me um, with all those things. But the passion was there. I needed training around the business part of it. And that was so helpful because I thought, well, if I don't have this business acumen, maybe I'm not called to do this. And it's like, no, girl, you can like you can acquire that. Stick with the passion. Get clear about your passion. Get clear about what it is that you really want to bring in the world. And the other parts of it, you will acquire it just like you've acquired and achieved everything else. And that's what's really helped me. I want to say another thing is that a lot of time 
Black women, we can talk ourselves out of the big dream because we can't figure out all the steps. And what I know that I say to myself is that I don't know how to do this yet. And the powerful is the three-letter word at the end, yet, because we are so connected. We know somebody who knows somebody who can teach us how to do the thing. And so I try not to talk my, I tried to talk myself, I tried not to talk myself out of the business because I was going to. Um, I was ashamed of it. I was ashamed of it at first because in the academy, they celebrate scholarship. And this isn't scholarship in the traditional form. And it wasn't until I met a Black woman who is a... Um, who is an OBGYN, oncologist, surgeon, full-time faculty, who has a coaching business. I was like, she's the possibility model that I needed to show me that, oh, you if you take it serious, everyone else will take it serious around you. And so that's a whole riff, but it was important for me to just get clear about this is what I want to do. And the rest of the stuff came. Well, you know, sometimes we need to see models. And some of those models show up in our lives just when we need affirmation or confirmation that the dreams we have, the visions we have are not accidents, Mm. are not not mistakes. And I really appreciate you being vulnerable and lifting up that sense of, well, this isn't scholarship in the traditional way. What is this going to mean to my academic credibility when my colleagues find out that I'm doing this other thing? Are they going to think less of me? Are people going to believe that I'm uh, uh, diluting the quality Uh of work that I'm giving at my job in favor of the, you know, all those fears that come up that can make you talk yourself both into and out of the business in the same 30 seconds? Uh Uh-huh. So can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, how do you balance or manage having um, a full and rigorous academic position with your business? Um, You know, I'm a dance studies person, so I think about balance as a kind of illusion. You know, Uh sometimes we think of balance as stillness, but the body is making hundreds of adjustments to maintain that illusion. So we're really Uh interested, you know, and how do you manage to juggle this? And since I'm talking to you, I almost want to say, how do you manage to juggle it joyfully? (laughs) Um, First of all, I did all the proper paperwork. You know, Black people, we say paperwork. So, you know, doing all the conflict of interest things that I have, it's my, my business is its own LLC. Um, I use my own resources, my own time. I have a separate laptop. I have a separate everything because that's important for me to have um, a clear delineation between what's, what I'm doing for my institution and what's mine. And um, God bless the child that has their own, like I have my own. And so that's important for me, but then I have, I am a, very consistent, disciplined person around my schedule. And so I do the institution's work during the time that I set aside to do that work. Um, I do not, I really am very careful about, I say, the bleeding of the weeds, of weeds creeping in at certain times. Um, When I show up to my work, I do it 100%. And when I am done, I am done. Um, I see my clients at a certain time and I, my, my business is very, very lean. Um, when I say very lean, I don't have a ton of bell and whistles. It's almost like going to a, a barbecue joint and it's like, we sell barbecue and that is it. We don't sell all these other bells and whistles. Like this is what I do. And that is it. And 
honing in and getting very small on my scope of expertise also allowed me freedom because I got so overwhelmed looking at everybody else. And I was like, maybe I should offer this. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do this talk. Maybe I should write this thing. And I have this alignment of, does this align with my core values? And what's the use of me having a business about joy and rest and ease if I'm stressed out and tired and burnt out? Um, it, it, it doesn't work that way. And so I got really clear about what I was doing honing in on the times of day that I do the things that I do and I keep it really lean. So even at work, um, I show up 110% and I'm able to pay attention there. But when it's time for me to leave, I'm not up doing, doing institutional work at, at four in the morning. I'm not, I'm not staying late and exhausting myself and trying to prove myself at my institution. No. You know how exciting clear boundaries are to us. <laughs> They're like, you get what you pay for and then we all stop. Oh my, and also the thing about that too, though, it's life-giving. So because I have something else that I look forward to, um, it lights me up. It's almost like you work harder to go when you're getting ready to go on the vacation because it's like, I got to get this all done so I can enjoy my vacation. That's how I feel about my, the, the, the balance of the two. And for me, it's the integration of the two of the more integrated that I am with my life and my business. It helps me. It really does make a difference in how I show up to the institution because I'm not burdened down. I'm not overwhelmed by institutional politics. It's like, okay, this is what it is. I know what it is, how to move through it. And so, um, and I say that now two years into the business. And I say that now at 43 turning 44, I didn't have the emotional intelligence that I have um, in my 30s. I couldn't have done this in my 30s because in my 30s, I was so busy trying to prove how good I was. I was trying to prove and try to get people to like me and people pleasing and codependency. And I needed these institutions to, but now 40 is the decade of fewer fucks to give. <laughs> Oh, I probably shouldn't cuss on this podcast. Oh, we all grown. It's fine. <laughs> and in fact, you know, you could talk about these boundaries, but I also heard kind of a harnessing of your academic knowledge. You mentioned that the curriculum in your business comes from the research you did and learned in your doctoral program at Wesley. And, you know, I'm at an institution would call that public scholarship and want to know all about it because <laughs> that's what you're doing. You're taking the things that you researched about that went into a dissertation that is filed somewhere that most people won't read, right? But you're sharing that with a wider public who would not have access to your dissertation. So it's not really about the job part, but you are taking that academic knowledge, right? And sharing that with the world, even if it doesn't look right? Like it's academic. That's how you came to it, your experience, but also that research that you did and put yeah. together in a certain form. Absolutely. And what's what I know about many women, uh, is Black women, women of color who are in the academy, our scholarship comes from actual praxis of something. It comes out of a need. It comes out of a passion. And a lot of times we are taught to believe, especially in the academy, that it has to be turned into a book, that you have to do a lot of writing and publishing. And it's like, how do you also do the writing and publishing that you need to do to, you know, do to 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 check the marks on that. But what is the tangible aspect of it that brought you to it that someone else may have interest in it too, that it doesn't just lie in a $75, $90 book that someone's not gonna buy or read, but that it really is, how do you enliven it? And the thing that you all know is that the institution is not gonna teach that to you. The institution's not gonna tell you that that's possible. The institution's not gonna say, here's some space for you to do that. You have to define it for yourself and make it happen for yourself. 
This conversation has been the highlight of my week. I will just say this has just been so lovely. Um, We are always happy whenever we have guests on the pod who we know are speaking truth to power, not only Mm -hmm. for themselves, but for our listeners. And so lastly, I would just ask if there's anything that you could say right now, there's some woman of color listening to this episode who has felt um, excited affirmed, confirmed by hearing your story and experience, what's the next step? What is one thing they should do now to take a step towards living into their entrepreneurial calling? Oh my goodness. I would say the next faithful step is find your people. Um, There is nothing like being with other people who you tell them your big audacious dreams and they don't say, "Mm, uh," they say, okay, let's do it. Like there was something powerful for me to walk into a room with other black women and to know that my dream wasn't this big audacious, scary thing, but that they've made it possible. And so who are the people next to you? You don't have to have it all figured out, trusting the people in the room. So whether it's a Monica, Monica and Takia, no matter who it is, it's like, you cannot do this work alone. You need people, you need guidance. You're not gonna know it all. You also need a place where you can make mistakes and be vulnerable. Um, This is is the the inner circle of of what I call like the good space, like the delicious part of life of how do you surround yourself with the people that you need? And it's delicious. It truly is delicious. And that's been my saving grace of, I didn't have to pretend that I had it all together. I didn't have to pretend that I had all the tools worked out because I've surrounded myself with people who are generous with their knowledge, who are generous with their kindness and their love and their grace. That's allowed me to soar and um, to do it all. But I want (laughs) to ask you something we did not have a chance to ask you. So you have talked about how your business helps you to be all of who you are, having your business and your academic job, and of course, a personal life, and it brings your soul joy. But what else is it that you can do, maybe even tangibly, but what does your business allow you to do because you have your business? Oh my goodness. It allows me to engage in the world in so many different ways. So I have my business. It's my own. Um, I don't have this fear of the golden handcuffs of the institution, you know, the institution saying like, I'm afraid of the next layoff. I'm the, and I grew up PO, P-O in the projects of Mississippi. And so security, financial security is important to me. Um, So I have my own voice. Um, This voice that I'm not afraid that it has to be audited or edited. I have my own finances in a way that's outside of the institution. I have um, my own people that, These are my people who are there for the work that I do that's not at all connected to the institution. And so I think sometimes our entire livelihoods from our money, our health, our wealth, our scholarship, all lies within institutions. And having my own gives me freedom, Monica, like freedom that it's hard for me to put in words because I did not even know that it was possible for me to have this type of freedom. And so um, I'm just thankful for the every level of freedom that I feel having my own business. I love that because sometimes for people, it can feel like this is one more thing to do or there's so much I don't know and it can feel hard, but I love that you're sharing about this payoff. And of course there are hard things in anything, right? Not huh? there's nothing worth having is going to be like a bed of roses the whole time. But I love that you shared how it is just giving you so much more freedom 
for your life in general so that you can make decisions probably with more confidence than you might if you did not have your business. Absolutely. And that was that was a mindset shift that I had to make is that my business is not the institution and I cannot run my business like the institutions or businesses basically white male models of leadership and bureaucracy and money and capitalism that I run my business like a black woman, like a black woman who's thinking about freedom. who's And so even my gauges of success, even my gauges of impact are very different than what the, an institution would give me credit for. And it's because I've had to learn um, just a new narrative around success, a new narrative around business. And it's like, I cannot be beating myself up around my business. And it's hard in the beginning because just like anything you're learning new, it's hard. Um, but now I have so much breathing room to you. And I've only been at this for two years, two years later. Um, it's made a world of difference. And I think probably twice a year within these two years, I'm like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. <laughs> I'm going to quit. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't dare. I couldn't imagine not doing this. And, you know, I always tell my students that that's a sign of of healthiness, right? That if you don't look up one day, every X number of months ago, you know what? I don't need to do this about anything, even your day job, because it's a reminder that we choose what we're doing and that we have to re-choose it. Or maybe you don't have to. Maybe it's making you miserable and maybe you shouldn't, that you're not trapped necessarily. And so I think that I'm done kind of feeling is super healthy for doing great things. Even if it means you reach out, you rechoose it or you stop doing it so you can do something else that feels better. One thing that I want to add to is that you probably won't hit 100 out the park the first time. And what I've learned is that I have to think of my business like the iPhone that do y'all remember the first model of the iPhone? It was like, it didn't have no camera. Like it was like, and now we're on model 14. And so it's like, okay, put it out there. See what sticks. Come back, flip it, reverse it, remix it, do it again. The and iPod so we, with the wheel. Yes. <laughs> you know, like we, like we giving ourselves grace. And because Black women, um, we don't get a lot of grace from outside of us because resources are often scarce. We don't have chances to make a lot of mistakes. Um, realizing that, okay, the mistakes is just fuel, just information for the next thing. And so over the two years, I've had to like pivot and think about and niche down. I, I would have a group of clients and I'd be like, honey, this ain't it. Okay. Let me think about it again. Like, what are the things that I'm looking for? And so giving yourselves also that don't wait till you think that it's perfect or if something goes wrong, it's not a failure. It's just information and you just keep showing up to it. And so to the quitting and to the getting it wrong, like that's just part of it. It's part of it. And I'm thankful that I didn't wait until I had a website and branding and a logo and a motto until I started. I literally started my business with getting an LLC from the state and a, and a Zoom account. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'm reminded that nothing beautiful ever is. Mm. It doesn't have to have every bell and whistle. Just because you see other people out in business space with all of these shiny things doesn't mean that they're doing well or that their business is even successful. So, you know, uh, as they say where I'm from, don't get so caught up in what it looks like. You forget what it is. Mm. <laughs> this conversation has just given us so much 
good, good, good information and oriented all of us, I think, to um, not only leaning into the fullness of what we've been called to bring into the world, but to do it in a way that feels authentic to who we are, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have to somehow become someone else to be a business owner. Yes, you will grow. Yes, you will develop. Yes, you will change. But at the core of it, Black women, women of color don't have to change the truth of who we are in order to be successful, viable, important business Mm -hmm. people in the world. And I think that that's just That's just so important. And it really lifts up what Monica and I are trying to do with the academic business and branding brain trust in terms of cultivating community around um, our particular entrepreneurial needs and building a space where we can dream and grow together. Mm, I love it. Um, I, I am wholeheartedly on team, get you some, get, get you some people. And so the work that you and Monica are doing, it's, it it can it will literally shift people's entire lives. It will have ripple effects for generations because once you see that it's possible, and once people let you know, like there's a there, there there's a there's an exit behind this bookshelf, people will be running for the exit, <laughs> running for the exit. Thank you all for for this generative and life giving work that you're doing. Um, I'm excited about it. And thank you for trusting me to be on here. And thank you for all the ways that you both um, teach me and guide me and are part of my village. And I'm so thankful. Uh, Well, thank you so much for being here with us. Can you tell our listeners where to find out more about you? Maybe they want a life that brings their soul joy. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, Teresa S. Timms. You can find me on my website, TeresaTimms.com, SoulJoyCoaching.com, um, Instagram and Facebook. And my website are the main places where you can find me. And on podcast sites? Yes, my podcast, the Soul Joy Mindset Podcast. I'm, how did I forget about that? The Soul Joy Mindset Podcast um, also is available on Spotify, Apple, in, um, Apple iTunes, anywhere where you listen to your podcast. Great. Thank you so much. And we will put links to these in the show notes where you can find them. It's been wonderful chatting today. So glad you were here. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AB3 Speaks with Monica and Takia. We do this podcast because we want to serve and support Blackademic women's entrepreneurial dreams. So subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. We read every one and this will help others to find the show. If you're looking to take the next step in your career, go to blackademicbraintrust.com where you can join our amazing community and get our free resource on the 12 questions you should ask yourself before becoming a Black academic entrepreneur. Our mission is to nurture your entrepreneurial dreams within and beyond the academy and build a business that both sustains and offers you freedom. We look forward to you finding and joining us at blackademicbraintrust.com. Because we want you to win. Thank you.